Tamara Soroka, you are the media content specialist at Travel Manitoba. First of all, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me today on the Fact Up podcast. Thanks, Jim. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, of course. And for those unfamiliar, what is a media content specialist all about? <laughs> well, um, it's one of those, you know, there's 25 different roles with all different names. But essentially, uh, what it is, is I handle our or manage our media tour program. So working with travel journalists, uh, content creators, you know, basically anyone that writes about travel around the world, I go to meet, um, tell them all the great things there is to tell them about Manitoba in hopes that they'll come visit um, and write about it for their audiences. Is it easy to be the media content specialist in a place like Manitoba? I, I, yes, actually, <laughs> I have to say it really is. Um, and it's funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot, you know, to talk about. But I think, you know, from kind of a, a recognition standpoint, I mean, we have polar bears and beluga whales. I mean, it, how, how difficult can that be, you know, to, to promote? In addition to, you know, our wonderful cities and our, you know, prairie skies, there, there's a lot. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, pretty, it's a pretty easy gig I've got. <laughs> you know, I have to admit, I've had friends who have told me in the past, you know, when you get to Thunder Bay, make a beeline for the Rockies. There's really nothing to see in the middle. Um, are they wrong and why? Yeah, I mean, there's no question they're wrong. And that's not, I mean, I'm biased, obviously. Um, I'm going to say that because I'm from here and because I'm, well, it, it's my job. But even aside from that, I, I, I will pass along the feedback that I get regularly from people that come to visit um, that it's, it's definitely an oversight. Winnipeg, Manitoba has widely been recognized as one of the most underrated places in Canada. And people who don't beeline through Manitoba and actually take the time to stop and look around and see things never regret it. In fact, every single time say, I can't believe it's taken me this long to get here. Um, when can I come back? I should have stayed longer. That's the consistent feedback that we get everywhere, like everyone from, you know, writers from Vancouver, who've, you know, been everywhere else in Canada to international journalists from Australia and England. It's, it's consistent feedback that we get over and over again. So it's not just me saying it, it's everyone. <laughs> right. And why is it so underrated? And why has it continuously been underrated, especially from people uh, who live in Canada and who have access to it uh, without the need of a passport? How did it get to the be to the point where it is so underrated? I, I well, I mean, I think we we tend Manitobans as a whole tend to be pretty critical. I think we're pretty hard on ourselves. I think we're we're not really we haven't traditionally been really open to promote what we have um, a lot of us don't really get out and see what there is available I mean it's kind of like an uh, um, a natural thing that when we go away we leave like we leave the province too so it, it's that you know kind of coming around to getting people to see what's actually in your own backyard I'm guilty of it I moved I moved to Toronto I was gone for 13 years I mean I grew up in Winnipeg moved to Toronto and the like the outskirts for 13 years I came back and it's funny I always say oh I you know I just moved back to Winnipeg when in reality I'm in my eighth year I think that I've been back um, and the changes in the city and in the province have been unbelievable in that time so I was gone for you know a significant amount of time um, but I think even seeing the changes that have taken place in the last 10 to 15 years in Winnipeg in particular but across the province um, I think people just 
haven't like don't recognize how much it's changed and maybe have like driven like you said like oh they drove through back in the 80s but haven't been back since and just haven't given it the opportunity to really see how much we've grown um mm -hmm. in, in that time it's been spectacular really the changes in the city yeah in the last 10 years you know COVID has been uh, a disaster for the tourism industry and it's been it's been devastating for for food and travel and and for several other industries but would would you say that COVID would make the staycation cool again? And would it force people in this country anyway to rediscover or discover for the first time places and cities that maybe they've put on the bottom of their list now kind of move to the middle and top of their list and Manitoba and, and cities within and towns within Manitoba being among those closer to the top? A hundred percent. And it's one of the things that we're actually banking on. Uh, you, like, you know, really, um, we last summer, we saw that to a huge degree. I mean, we were very fortunate in Manitoba. We had very low case numbers. Uh, you know, there was the typical quarantine where people, you know, couldn't come into Manitoba. We couldn't leave. But within the province, we were pretty free to get out there and, you know, and, and spend time outdoors and go to smaller, you know, smaller places and really get a sense of what was all around us. And we heard that everywhere like all over it was manitobans getting out and going to places around the province that they've never been to so from our perspective a hundred percent like we've definitely seen that internally with our own residents but now even from what we're hearing across like across canada it seems to be the case i mean people want to go and see things and why not go to a place that you know maybe you've overlooked over you know over time and maybe they're hearing a little bit more about it because they're focusing more on other spots within canada so yeah i mean we're really hope you know we're hopeful and and we're you know, we're planning for that, that we're going to see a, a big increase in, in visitation from places and from people that haven't been here before. So we're really excited about it. It's, it's kind of one of, you know, if you have to find the silver linings, as we all do, mm -hmm. it's one of those silver linings for us is it's really given us the opportunity to kind of create these new relationships with people that maybe otherwise wouldn't have considered coming. And for those who've been, let's say, 10, 15, 20 years ago and have a kind of a preconceived notion and, and maybe know what to expect, uh, and you say you've been there now, seven, you know, you've been back seven, eight years, what can people expect to see that's different uh, from maybe the last time they visited and just said, all right, yeah, 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 I've been there, done that, um, moving on? everything. It's a completely different city. You wouldn't recognize it to come back. If you haven't been in Winnipeg for 10, 15 years, you wouldn't recognize it to come back. I personally, I always laugh because I left Winnipeg the year that the jets left Winnipeg oh. the first, like the first time. And I came back the year that the jets came back. Oh, convenient. <laughs> so it's, it was, you know, I, was, I couldn't, I couldn't in good faith, you know, I needed to be a, a jets fan through and through. Um, but that was just, just a side coincidence, but I, I think, and just from my vision of seeing, you know, seeing the province and seeing Winnipeg from the outside for a little while, um, I personally credit, you know, the Jets coming back to a lot of the growth that has happened. I mean, they've, and, and other things that were going on at the same time. So the downtown area, like our exchange district, which is a historic, you know, area in the city for architecture and shopping and restaurants um, has kind of really blossomed. Uh, the downtown where they built, the, like our, our arena was moved kind of from a suburban area to right smack dab in the middle of the center, you know, in the city, the Forks, which is, you know, has been a meeting ground for 6,000 years, has expanded tremendously. The Canadian Museum for Human Rights is, you know, the first museum built outside of the capital. It's, you know, there's, there's all these new things that have come through. The Assiniboine Park, you know, Conservancy with the zoo has created the journey to Churchill. Like, there's just been so many new developments that to come in and actually take a look around. There, I mean, I, I'd be, I would be 
harmful if I didn't also recognize our culinary scene. Again, we were named the most underrated culinary scene in Canada. Uh, you know, the restaurants and, you know, the, the chefs that we have coming in and doing really special things in the city um, has really just blown it open. And it's put us, you know, on, on par with, with any of the other big cities in Canada. You know, you mentioned all that. You mentioned the, the polar bear capital. You mentioned Wales. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't maybe realize that Winnipeg is also the cultural cradle of Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, Royal Winnipeg Ballet is, you know, one of the longest, if not the longest, continuously running ballet mm -hmm. companies on the continent. Yeah. Uh, you know, the theater center and, and you know, the orchestra. Uh, is it going to finally get the admiration and attention it deserves, the city of Winnipeg? Hopefully. I mean, we've certainly been pushing for that for a long time. Um, yeah, it's all those little things that people don't even like the history in, you know, in Winnipeg itself is just it's unmatched. I mean, people just don't recognize. I mean, we were Winnipeg when it was one of the, it was like the fourth fastest growing city in North America. We were the Chicago of the North. We were growing faster than New York City, you know, when, when we were coming up. So, and people don't know that. And to see the history and to go and, you know, do a walking tour and to see those things, it, it would be nice to have that recognized more. And yeah, I mean, the idea of having all of these cultural institutions, you know, the, the Winnipeg Art Gallery, again, it's, it's the first, you know, civic art gallery in Canada or Western Canada. Um, you know, so there's all these little nuggets of history and, you know, that things that people, again, don't even realize. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, those are the kinds of things that we're trying to get people to see. You know, I, I'm an experiential guy. I've been I've been talking about experiences well before it became fashionable and, and before the selfie. I'm 44. I'm old school. I, I do selfies, but it's more about immersing myself <laughs> in the moment and the experience. Uh, you know, you have a, a pile of festivals in Manitoba, Icelandic festival and, and a very rich indigenous culture. If I'm and it's both, it, you know, it's winter, it's spring, it's all year round. If I'm planning an itinerary, let's say now we're approaching summer for three, four days. What's my itinerary for a summer, um, you know, weekend getaway? And what's my itinerary for maybe a winter uh, getaway to Manitoba? But you know what? Let's just make it to Winnipeg because Manitoba is giant. So yeah, okay, okay. that Winnipeg. helps a little bit. I was going to say, we'll do yeah. one for each, but I get it. <laughs> I'm not crazy. I'm not going to ask you unanswerable questions. <laughs> but maybe three, four days in, in the capital uh, during the winter, three, four days in the summertime. What are we, yeah. what are we doing? Uh, I think, well, I mean, you're, yeah, so you're coming into Winnipeg, you, you know, your first stop for any visitor that hasn't been or even has been, but it's been a while, the Forks is the number one stop. It's a, you know, it's a national historic site. It's the center of the city. It's where the Assiniboine and the Red Rivers meet. It's, it's, there, there's lots to see, but there's tons of history right in the area. So you need to get to the Forks. There's a little market there that used to be, you know, the stables for the railway that have all been turned into, you know, unique restaurants and they're shopping like with all local vendors and that sort of thing. So you cool. got to hit the Forks. Um, right next door within the grounds is the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. As I mentioned, I mean, that's an absolute must visit. Our, the architecture is spectacular. The content, of course, you know, speaks for itself. Um, it's, it's heavy material, but also uh, very uplifting. It's, you know, their, their stories. It's a journey from darkness to light, figuratively and literally. So you can spend easily, I mean, you could spend an infinite, like infinite number of time there. I think they have something like 700 hours of video content in that museum. Wow. So a day barely scratches the surface, but it's a nice place, you know, to spend a few hours for sure. Um, Assiniboine Park, the, the park, it was actually, it's, it's, 
um, in the, one of our residential areas. It was built by this, or the architects were students of the people who designed Central Park in New York City. Very kind of similar, broad, you know, large, like sprawling grounds. They have an outdoor, like a Tudor style theater where the, the Winnipeg Ballet, the orchestra will play free concerts in the summertime, movies for kids, you know, they'll have like that sort of thing. Also home to the Winnipeg or to the Assiniboine Park Zoo, which is, you know, Journey to Churchill, which has orphan polar bears, you know, that they bring down um, from Churchill that wouldn't otherwise survive. You can see them, a whole variety. It's the largest exhibit of Northern species animals anywhere um, in Canada. Um, so there's there's lots to see there. It's really, really well done. They've won all kinds of, uh, of awards for the conservation efforts that they're doing, the research efforts. They have direct links to Churchill as well um, with polar bear conservation efforts, beluga, you know, conservation and that sort of thing. Um, the restaurants, I can't even begin to, t I mean, I can't even start, you know, with the restaurants. I could like nail, you know, throw off a list of 20 places off the top of my head. Um, but there's lots, there's a new place called um, the Hargrave Street Market right downtown. And it's like an elevated food court. And they have really great local chefs that have all come in together in this really beautiful meeting space to go, you know, before a Jets game, you know, to go and hang out there. It's, it's literally like across the street from the arena. So you got to hit that. Um, the I always say now this would be a good one if we're going to like kind of switch gears, um, you know, from summer to winter, it works either in either direction, but the tour itself is open from May usually until October and it's called the Hermetic Code Tour. And it's funny because when I tell people about it, I always got it. Like, I always have to say you just got to trust me, you got to bear with me, but it's a tour of our legislative buildings, our provincial house of government mm -hmm. which people are like yeah no i'm not interested i'm like no no like just just trust me i promise you and it's basically without giving too too much away because you have to take the tour to really appreciate it but it's called the hermetic code and it's been called you know it's it's manitoba's da vinci it's like a, a kind of a da vinci code and it's wow. basically an architect Oh, pardon me, not an architect. He's a, a historian um, and he has done research on this building for over 10 years. He's written a book about it. And it's basically the story of how our government, our provincial government uh, building was actually a Masonic temple built in disguise. Um, oh, wow. And he walks you through the background of this story and basically tells you at the beginning and he's very charismatic and passionate about it because he's been researching this for over 10 years and he tells you, I'm going to tell you all kinds of things and I don't want you to believe a single thing I tell you unless I can prove it to you. And then he spends the next two hours walking you through this building and this whirlwind amazing thing about like Ark of the Covenant and it's it's unbelievable. It's an absolutely spectacular tour. They've, and everyone that goes to it, just, you, you, you can't even understand it. And it's always, it's, you know, you get so excited talking about it, but until you do it, you don't, you don't know until you know, you got to do it. So that's always one thing that I put high on the list as right. well. Right. Um, yeah. I mean that, I mean, really there's the Manitoba museum, which is the, you know, kind of the provincial, um, museum, um, and planetarium, which is actually just started. They've just opened up a bunch of new exhibits. They've redone a lot of their exhibits. So that's always, you know, a really interesting afternoon. And then just walking, you know, like I said, the, the exchange district, it's, it's like going back in time. The architecture is, you know, from the turn of the last century, I guess now, but it's the largest collection of Chicago style architecture anywhere left, standing um, in, in high concentration and just to walk through and stop in the shops, walk along the rivers. It's just a really beautiful spot, you know, where you can kind of spend a lot of time outdoors, 
you know, deke inside to these little spots and just, it, it's, it's a, a good combination of just fun, quirky things and history and great food and everything kind of tied up into one. And correct me if I'm wrong, you also have the largest natural skating rink at just over 8.5K, correct? It, it, well, it varies every year because okay. it always depends on how the ice is frozen. But yeah, and, it, and, and the title goes back and forth, often between us and Ottawa. It's a friendly rivalry that we have. But yes, it, it like this, I think last year, or pardon me, last year it didn't open because it didn't freeze properly. But the year before, I think it was over 10 kilometers. Wow. Um, and it's it, like there's warming, like they have an international design competition every year for warming huts that get placed and warming being a relative term depending on the design but really cool you know artsy buildings set up along the river so you go skating and there's benches set up and you know christmas you know trees kind of like pine trees set up along the way and yeah i mean you can we i mean our my office is actually at the fork so there's a group of us that go skating at lunch every day you know it doesn't terrible. matter you know terrible. it's great yeah, slackers it's you guys are no, terrible right? <laughs> well, you mentioned the food scene. Talk about the food scene. Where I mean, you mentioned the chefs and you mentioned, uh, you know, restaurants and a lot of great things happening. Talk about the evolution of that food scene from when you left to when you came back and, and talk about the, I guess, the multi-ethnicity of, of the food scene as well and the explosion of being able to get anything you want, really, at all times of year from, from virtually every culture. And that's very much, I mean, Winnipeg, as you know, as you mentioned, it's a, you know, it's a cultural, you know, it's kind of the, like a multicultural cradle. We have, you name it, you know, we have all of these different ethnicities that come in and open up restaurants celebrating their own cuisine. So you go into certain areas and, and it doesn't matter. You want Ethiopian food there, you know, there's, there's three I can recommend. Do you want, you know, like hand pulled noodles from Southern China? We have that too. Like it, there's just such a wide range. Um, I think the same thing. I mean, it started with, you know, a couple of really, you know, young chefs kind of coming up, they've either traveled, you know, outside of, you know, they've kind of left to gun traveled around the world and then have come back and, you know, have wanted to kind of elevate Manitoba scene a little bit and, and create these new restaurants. So everything from, you know, small plate, you know, sharing to, you know, the, the whole food to table. I mean, we, a chef here, his name is Ben Kramer, who basically like originated the, um, like in, institutional he started doing food in like a in university of winnipeg on their campus and and turning what is traditionally you know burgers and french fries in a university cafeteria to really well done healthy meals that are affordable and and really kind of started the whole you know the the food to table kind of movement in winnipeg he was kind of like the culinary godfather everyone calls him and he's kind of continued that work throughout he's always the chef of the winnipeg folk festival you know he does all of the meals for all of the volunteers and it's something like 2500 volunteers over the course of the weekend and it's like really great high-end you know a culinary experience in itself we have you know up until last year um mandel hitzer who started uh, raw almond which you know I, I don't know if you're familiar with but mm -hmm. that is our pop-up restaurant on the frozen red river in january you know for three weeks in january and february i mean when that started it was a it was a food and architecture collaboration and where they built the structure right on the ice and everyone was like you're crazy there's no way that that is going to work there's no way you're going to have an upscale five course tasting menu with chefs from around the world uh, when it's minus 30 outside. And like, not only did it work, it ran for, you know, six, 
six years, I believe, and sold out every single year. Tickets for like literally three seatings a night for three weeks straight would sell out in two and a half hours. So it's, you know, and, and the experience was always absolutely spectacular. So, I mean, there's little things like that that have just kind of consistently built and built and, and just kind of made this name for Winnipeg of being this, like, you want to go eat, go to Winnipeg. You'll, you'll find things here that you won't find anywhere else. Usually when, when someone answers with the words, you're crazy if you think that's going to work, usually really works well. <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly. And that right. was, certainly, I mean, in this case, I mean, they started in Winnipeg, you know, right on, like right at the Forks, right on the Red River, but then they expanded. They've had um, in Riding Mountain National Park, you know, west of almost at the Saskatchewan border, they did one there, Gimli on the, you know, on the banks of Lake Winnipeg, which is a huge inland ocean, essentially. Mm -hmm. They did one there. They went to Tokyo one year and, you know, and, and had one in, in Japan. So it, it became quite a, like a, a big, you know, event in Winnipeg and all because these two friends, you know, got together and said, hey, let's do something cool for culinary in Winnipeg. And it worked. Yeah. A, a yeah. really great risk that, that kind of, uh, benefited everyone everywhere. <laughs> right. Well, listen, you've, you've had a long week, right? You're packing the car. You want to get on a personal getaway. Where are you going in Manitoba to find your Zen? Uh, um, <laughs> I, there's so many, like they're literally like, there's so like, depending on the, on which direction you want to go. Um, I would have to say, well, I mean, we haven't even talked Churchill, but Churchill, I can't get in the car cause there's no roads there. So I would have to either fly or take the train. So we'll eliminate that one, but know that Churchill is one of the most special places on the planet. Um, but if I'm hopping in my car, I'm probably going to um, uh, Spirit Sands. Um, it's Spruce Woods Provincial Park. It is about, I don't know, about 200 kilometers or so west of Winnipeg. And it is this really beautiful park um, that is sand dunes. Well, they're not, well, technically they're not sand dunes and we're always really careful about that, but they appear as if they're massive sand dunes, this kind of out of the middle of nowhere, you're driving through, you know, prairie farmland. And then all of a sudden there's these huge sand hills um, with skinks and all kinds of these like desert kind of creatures. You know, it's, um, it, it looks like you're in the middle of a desert, which is kind of very different like you wouldn't expect that you know from from a prairie province and it's just it's warm and it's beautiful and the sunsets like it's just huge open skies I went there not this past summer but the summer before and I stayed in a yurt in the provincial park and let me tell you it was just didn't want to leave I mean you just sit there and you watch the sunrise well no pardon me I didn't watch the sun I don't I don't do sunrises I would watch the sunset I would see pictures of the sunrise. I sure. would do the sunset and it's just, it's gorgeous. And you know, this, the, the lake is beautiful and there's, you know, fishing around and it's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful spot. That's kind of, you know, if I'm looking for a, a place to relax and just get away from everything, that's where I'm going. Right. Sounds terrible, Tamara. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just like the, <laughs> <laughs> well, what lessons have your travels and your line of work taught you over the years that you find yourself uh, applying in your everyday life? How has, how has travel impacted your life on a personal level? Uh, I think just the idea of recognizing that there's more out there than what's just in your backyard. You know, like it, it's seeing, I hadn't, you know, I, I love to travel. I like, you know, that's one of my favorite parts of my job, quite frankly, is the, the option to kind of get out when I, you know, I go to conferences and almost every time, if I'm going to a conference somewhere I haven't been, I'll add a few days on either, you know, beginning or the end, just to be able to look around a little bit, mm -hmm. see what, what else is out there. And just, you know, you kind of get to meet people. And I think it's just a, a recognition. It's kind of a combination of both, getting out to see 
meet other people and see other ways of life and how other people live and really getting that appreciation for different cultures and you know the kinds of things that are out there but at the same time making you recognize exactly what's so great about where you're from it's that you know that kind of combination of both where it's like yeah i, I love to get away and see other things and yeah you, you know you kind of fantasize about you know where would i live if i could go anywhere that i've been before but realistically knowing that i'm I don't know that I would want to go anywhere else anymore, which is a huge change for me. I wouldn't like 15 years ago, I would never have expected to say that. And now I wouldn't leave Manitoba. I mean, right. would I get a vacation home somewhere on a beach for a few months in January, February, March? Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I would always come back, you know, like I'm always, I would always come back because there's just, and I think seeing other places really makes you kind of recognize for, you know, some of the really great things about where you're from. Well said. Well said. Uh, rapid fire with you. I, I usually make this a 10 questioner. I'm going to make it an 11 because I, I have a question that I'd like to ask you right off the top. And there's nothing rapid about this. Take your time. Okay. It's just okay. a figure of speech. When you were living <laughs> in no Toronto. no red buzzer that I have to hit. No, nope, none of that. None of that. But I have to ask you, when you were living in Toronto, did you become a Leafs fan? You know what? I did. <laughs> and I'm embarrassed to admit it. But I did because, and but I say that only because... I didn't have a home team to cheer for. And yes, I, yes, I did. And, and, and they did really well while I was there. I mean, there was one time where they made it like, and I, you know, I was living right off of Yonge street at, at St. Clair and I was on like the 30th floor of this high rise building. And I remember like the game was finishing and the cars and the, like the, the honking and the cheering went on to like three in the morning. And it was a great, it was a great time to be a Leafs fan. Um, but that ended immediately once, once the announcement was made, that was it. They were cut. That was it. <laughs> well said again. <laughs> <laughs> I have full respect for them, but no, no, they're not my team. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here we go. For real now, 10 okay. questions. Okay. I just had okay. to ask you that. It's believed <laughs> that post COVID travelers are going to be yearning for more kind of intimate, close knit uh, experiences, socially conscious, uh, traveling mm -hmm. with purpose. Three reasons why people should be considering heading to Manitoba. Uh, the, the, Aside from the like the specific, you know, like the wildlife is always a good answer to that, you know, and I think that that idea of getting out to be able like it's, it's one thing to, you know, go out to nature and, and, you know, and camp and that sort of thing, which is a wonderful thing, you know, that whole like connection with nature and being able to get out, you know, to do that is wonderful. Um, but I, I can't. I can't say less enough, like the, you know, I can't stress <laughs> of like how amazing it is to see, you know, polar bears and beluga whales in the wild. So, I mean, that for me in, in Manitoba is always one of the big draws. Right. Um, getting in and, you know, our license plates say, and this should probably be my third one. I should try to think of something in the middle if you're asking for three, but our license plates say friendly Manitoba. You cannot um, get away from the people in Manitoba, super friendly, super welcoming. Uh, you come in here, you're made to feel like family. You know, if you're not from around here, we will help you. You know, if you stop on the street and ask anyone for directions, they're not only going to give you directions, they're going to give you, you know, the, your, their opinions of where you should go and Hey, let me walk you over there. And you know, it just kind of becomes that very inclusive nature, mm -hmm. uh, very much part of our, you know, our, our kind of ethos and, and what we believe to be our, our community essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like, again, just the, the, 
misunderstanding isn't the right word, but the, the lack maybe of understanding of what Manitoba is, what we have to offer, the ability to be able to get someplace, you know, to, to come and explore someplace that is relatively undiscovered, you know, where it kind of gives you that sense of learning something new and being able to take away something that uh, you, you, you haven't been able to experience. And I think particularly from a Canadian perspective, from Canadians who haven't been here before, I think it'll open people's eyes up a lot to what we have and say like, oh man, I can't believe it took me this long to get here. Yeah, I, and I, I put myself in that boat. Uh, I'm, I'm, I would love to visit, hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. Um, three words to describe your personal travel style. Oh, see, this is tricky because I'm kind of all over the place. Um, um, I want, like, we, can, we can say pass if you want and I can move on and we can come back to it. Um, no, let's no, because that'll just make me think about it more. It'll distract me from the other ones. <laughs> um, I think uh, I'm looking for, and I don't know, like three words. It's, it's tricky. Um, I, I go back and forth between wanting really you know, depending on my mood, depending on kind of where I'm at at any given time, like if I'm super stressed out, you know, from work, if I've had a bunch of projects and I just need to relax, um, sign me up, you know, sign me up for no stress. I want to go and I want to lay on a beach and have margaritas brought to my, you know, to my side. And, you know, so the, anything that has, you know, that kind of really low key relaxed, I'm all about that. Um, depending on where I'm going, I can be the complete opposite of that, where I want no itinerary. I just want to like, throw myself, you know, take, get a flight, throw myself on the ground and explore. Like the exploring nature for me is, is very, very important. Um, and again, I mean the connecting, like connecting with, with people, connecting with, you know, the, the local, you know, seeing the things that people don't necessarily, you know, like not the, the, the things that aren't in the guidebook, taking, you know, like the road off, off the path and kind of seeing what's there. That was way more than three words, but that gives right. you a general. Idea. No, but it's, I'm, I'm all about, <laughs> I'm all about exploratory, explanatory three words. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> Most inspirational travel experience you've had? Inspirational. Oh, um, Australia, Uluru. Mm -hmm. Easy one. Uh, when I went to Australia for the first time a few years ago, it was four years ago, I guess now. Actually, I, I actually just got back. I, last This year, last week, I just got back from Australia. Um, it was my last, you know, pre-COVID trip that I have been getting all kinds of photo memories from. So that's kind of top of mind. But before that, I went three years before that and I went to a media conference. It was International Media Marketplace in Sydney. And I went for the conference and just decided, I mean, it's too far to go, you know, for a few days. And I decided to stay by myself. For about a week and a half, I went and I explored a little bit more of the country. And one of the places I've always wanted to go in Australia was Uluru. It's been, I used to work, I used to be a, in Toronto, I was actually a travel agent and I worked for a company that exclusively sold the South Pacific. So I've always known in my head that I need to go to like to Uluru, never expected to go by myself. You know, like it was my first time really traveling, you know, as a, like a solo travel trip. And I went there and it was mind-blowing like just the history behind it and just the vastness of you know and I mean you look at pictures of it and yeah you get a general sense of you know this big red rock in the middle of nowhere um, and you when you fly over it you can see but when until you're actually standing and, and hearing the stories of you know the local indigenous people who have lived there for thousands of years um, it opened my eyes to just a completely different way of life like just the idea that 
there's so much more out there than what we see on a daily basis. And it's, it's taken me ever since then, like every now and again, I'll just, I'll have this vision of, you know, like the smell of like the dust, you know, coming across and, you know, the, like my shoes that were caked in this super fine red, you know, clay. Um, and it just brings it back. And it's just a real, it was, for me, it was just a real reminder of, um, you know, we're just small little things in this great big place. And um, it, you, you, I don't think you get a sense of that until you're at a place like that. It was, it was incredible. Wow. Yeah. That's on my list too. <laughs> Strongly recommend it if you have the opportunity <laughs> and go yourself. It just makes it that much better. <laughs> <laughs> What's on your road trip mixtape? Oh, um, oh geez. This is embarrassing. Um, well, Millie no. Vanilli, is it? Because that's me. Yeah, it's what? That's Millie Vanilli. That's me. If we, oh, if we well, share the same mixtape, it, it might make it on there. Actually, I was gonna say like '80s, you know, pop dance, like '80s into early '90s is kind of my scene. Although generally, when I'm driving, I listen to country almost exclusively, just because it's easy to sing along to. Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of you know Zach Brown Band and you know those kinds of things. So that would probably be my go-to. But you can't. I mean, Madonna from the mid eighties, you, you just can't go wrong. Don't even get me started. It's awesome. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite Slurpee flavor? Um, grape. Okay. Grape. And I just had one yesterday. In fact, <laughs> just yesterday I had a grape Slurpee. <laughs> Most, when I was younger, it would have mixed. It would have been a mix. Grape yeah. and cream soda. Yeah, I know. One and then the other. And then, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> most memorable travel memory as a kid. As a kid, oh, um, when I went camping, my parents, my grandparents, aunt and uncle, we all went camping to Brereton Lake in Manitou, in Manitoba. And we were tent camping, of course, and we were on this kind of big hill and woke up in the middle of the night and could hear something, didn't, you know, we didn't really pay much attention. I'm like, you know, tapping my dad, hey, like, dad, what is that? And you kind of hear like a scraping, scraping. Yeah, next thing you know, my dad's up and like racing to the car to get the shotgun because there's a bear on our, on our, um, like a, a, a black bear, presumably, um, because they decided to leave the cooler full of food out on the, on the picnic table. So yeah, it turns out it was a baby. Like it was just a little cub that was in eating our hot dogs and our eggs for, for breakfast in the morning and uh, shoot it away. I mean, obviously didn't have to use, you know, any kind of weapon, but shoot it away. But the, the concern being, of course, you know, if the baby's there, the mom's not far behind. And this was, you know, two, three in the morning. And yeah, that, that has left, uh, that, that left a bit of a, of a memory. You were quick to answer that. <laughs> yeah, that, that sticks. Well, actually that same trip, I also, um, you know, the Coleman lanterns, yeah. like the round bulb Coleman lanterns. Yeah. Well, I thought it was so pretty and I actually put my whole palm on it while it was lit. Um, so like my whole, like the skin from my hand actually legitimately peeled off on that same trip. So yeah, there was, it was a highlight. There was Good a highlight times. reel for sure. Good times. <laughs> yeah. You're in the middle seat of a long haul flight. Who do you want sitting on either side of you? Oh, oh geez. Good question. Um, well, because it's timely and top of mind, I would probably say uh, Princess Diana. <laughs> that I, I've always adored her, like even when I was young and, you know, she was kind of like going through the wedding and it, like, you know, from the very beginning, I've always really loved, you know, her and everything she stood for. I'd love to chat with her. Um, if it's a long flight, maybe Morgan Freeman. 
Oh. And get them to read to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Get a, get a really good book or just have them recite Shawshank Redemption. The whole, uh, you know, the whole thing would be pretty spectacular. Plus, I think you, he probably has a few good, you know, good stories to tell. Absolutely. Here's, here's a bonus question. Who would, you, who would you lean on to sleep? Left or right? Morgan or Princess Diana? Oh, Oh, Morgan, for sure. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I feel like he would be like gentle, like lullaby, you know, like the odd, like grandfatherly <laughs> pat on the head. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Biggest travel pet peeve? Uh, oh, geez, I have lots of these. But since we're talking about flights, probably people forcing their way to the front of a plane before they're like, you know, if they're sitting at the back and forcing their way up before it's their time drives me. Yeah, up the wall. Yeah. And I've been known to like actively insert myself into the place. <laughs> Not so friendly Manitoba. <laughs> no, I'll ask, you know, like I'll ask if, you know, if they have an emergency, but otherwise, no, you, this, right. we're civilized right. people here. <laughs> what do you do on a trip to completely immerse yourself in an experience? How do you immerse yourself in a moment? I think it's a matter of, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a combination of both. Like I like to, I mean, I, I know that you don't get into like the full like culture of a place when you do, you know, like a guided tour necessarily. But I think it's really important when you get to a place that you've never been to before. I always like to take some kind of a tour in the beginning just to kind of get oriented, just get a general sense of, you know, what, what there is to see, what there is to do, um, and then go back again after like pick those few places that you didn't really get to explore a lot and then really kind of dive in and i you know i know when i was in hong kong for instance um i did same kind of thing and we i went back after you know they kind of said oh there's you know the temple street night market you know you want to you want to go and see that and going back the next night again on like on my own not in a group not with people you know that i necessarily um you know would kind of distract or give some you know some kind of comfort because you're with other people you know that can kind of help you walk through going out and actually traveling alone i think is one of the ways that i've really been able to to really get to know a place a little bit better because you don't have an option but communicate with other people you don't have a choice but actually go and, and ask people for help or get opinions and you know and really kind of get a sense of you know what to do where to go and i mean getting lost in you know a foreign place you meet people and it's it's a it's can be a little scary but on the other hand it can be really fulfilling too once you you know once you kind of make that connection with someone i think that's that's probably uh, a highlight for me absolutely my last question why do you travel Oh, just to see everything. I mean, it's just, I, I, I'm one of those, I, I feel very strongly that I very rarely go back to anywhere that I've been before, just because there's so many places that I want to see. There's so many places that I want to experience that why would I go back to someplace I've been before? Um, and I think it's just a matter of getting out and seeing different things in the world. It's, it's not being kind of like tied into the one thing that I've always known and, you know, and, and it's getting to meet new people and make friendships with people from around the world. It's just something that I feel, I don't know, it kind of just helps you live better. I, I think <laughs> that sounds very Travel. grandiose, but it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's important. Absolutely. Uh, everybody get to Brandon, get to Churchill, get to Gimli, get to Winnipeg, get to Manitoba guys, Tamara Soroka. Thank you so much. Travel Manitoba. Thank you so much for, for taking the time today to join me on the fact that podcast, I, I wish you and, and your family and your circle uh, continued health and happiness going forward and all the best post COVID 
to get everyone uh, to Manitoba and explore the beautiful experiences to be had. Amazing. Thanks so much, Jim. It was, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. Take care.